edition of Style and Empowerment Chat with Laura and Friends. I'm your host, Laura Masrick. Tired but happy to be here. I'm uh, still bouncing back from my birthday weekend. Uh, so I had a great time. Uh, did a lot of fun things. Uh, so I uh, ha- had a beautiful dinner at the Chart House, uh, which is this great waterfront <laughs> restaurant. Uh, on Columbus Boulevard here in Philadelphia, overlooks the river. They have the best uh, seafood and uh, beautiful views of the river. Uh, 
and uh, just a great spot. And then I went to uh, the Freedom Dance Party on the Michelou, uh, which is a sailboat, um, but also a restaurant that's permanently docked on the Delaware River in the marina. And uh, it's a great spot. They rent it out for events as well. I've actually been to a few events there in the past and it's a great spot uh, to have dinner i always love love you know great ambiance and beautiful views when you're dining and there's so many great restaurants and we're right at the tail end of you know the nice uh uh, weather to walk around in all the leaves are changing and it's just beautiful here in the city so i had a great time there uh and then i spent uh, the weekend in wilmington delaware uh and i took in a lot of great museums um and uh just saw some fantastic gardens and so uh in our next segment we're going to kind of do a little do a little history lesson we're going to talk about the duponts and uh, <coughs> how they built their their fortune uh we're also going to talk about how they were abolitionists and actually you know uh helped with the underground railroad and all the ph philanthropy and just give you uh insight into all these beautiful mansions great places uh to take the family <laughs> and enjoy uh so uh we're starting off the show uh, this week bringing you some new music so uh, our show of our uh friend of our show uh smiley jones of course ceo of burning guitars clothing uh, which we've covered many times at fashion week he's also uh, a rapper and music producer so he has a new great <laughs> uplifting and empowering song Love Will Make It Right, uh, which is all about solving the world's problems through love and unity. Uh, of course, Philly is here mourning because the Phillies <laughs> did not make it to the national championships. People are angry and whatnot. I, I, I am not angry because I thought they had a great season. I personally didn't think they were going to make it to the World Series because the Philly teams always get us close, but not quite over the finish line most of the time. But it's still exciting to make it to the playoffs. And, uh, you know, they were nail-biter games. So, you know, hats off to the Phillies for a great uh, season. And the, uh, the Atlanta team, I, I forget the name of their baseball team, but, you know, they were playing up against them in the, uh, the, sec the first round of the playoffs. I think they were the Razorbacks or something or another, you know. So hats off to the Atlanta team and um, the other division, the teams that, you know, made it to their playoffs. So, um, yeah, we're going to take our first break. So we're debuting uh, Smiley Jen's new song, uh, Love Will Make It Right. And then we'll be back and we're going to dive into some history with the DuPont family and talk all about their mansions and, uh, you know, some uh, fun other stuff. So keep it locked into Style and Empowerment Chat with Lauren Friends and we'll be right back after this. When will you see <laughs> magic in your madness? When will you realize the light inside you?
And welcome back to Sound Empowerment Chat Bar and Friends. Uh, uh, Love Will Make It Right, uh, Smiley Jones' new music. Uh, so I firmly believe that, you know, loving ourselves, loving each other, 
loving our environment, loving our community, and providing, you know, raising our, ourselves with love and each other with love and providing the resources and tools that we all need to feel loved uh, and uh, thrive is the the root answer to all of our problems just coming everything with the mindset of love and open heart so uh thanks for uh, smiley uh, uh dropping uh, dropping that to me uh before it's world release uh so now you know when i we talk a lot on the show about finding things that give you peace and serenity and pour into you and keep you balanced. Well, one of the things that I love is nature and and the outdoors and art and interior design and I, I love learning new things as well so uh, I had a lot of enrichment this weekend uh, I want to share uh, with you and as well as um uh as well as these are great things that you can do uh, for the family uh, inexpensively. So first, uh, I, this weekend I went to Longwood Gardens, which is just absolutely beautiful. So it's an outdoor botanical garden that consists of over a thousand acres of gardens, woodlands, meadows, ponds. It's in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, uh, along the Brandywine Creek Valley, which borders Wilmington, Delaware, which, of course, uh, President Biden uh, hails from Wilmington. So uh, the Longwood Gardens is the premier horticultural display gardens in the United States, uh, open to visitors year round. Uh, and, you know, uh, they do different themes throughout the year, like right now since it's October and Halloween's right around the corner. Um, there's a lot of great um, stuff for the kids to do too. Like they do like hay rides and all, all the trees throughout the gardens are decorated like ghosts. So it's really cute uh, for the kids. <clears throat> but it's really a fantastic way just to fill your spirit and get some great physical exercise uh, just hiking around all the gardens. Now, they also have events and performances uh, throughout the year and workshops. Uh, but the gardens itself, you know, you need a, at least four or five hours just to, to hike through everything. <coughs> they have great, really pretty footbridges, where you cross over ponds. Now is a beautiful time to go. The fall and the spring is the best time to change a season. So uh, all the leaves were changing, and it's just so beautiful. There's just so many different types you of gardens. You have all these fields with uh, beautiful uh, wildflowers, and the breeze is blowing, and it's just so fragrant. Um, I will say what's great <coughs> is there's lots of benches. It's huge and vast, but there's lots of benches everywhere. Uh, there's porta potties. It's really intelligently laid out. Uh, there is a gift shop at Longwood. There's a cafe um, where you can get uh, something to eat. 
And then within the cafe in the back, uh, there's this upscale restaurant called, I think it, is, it was 1940 or 1960, I think it's called. Um, so you have your choice there. And then they have an outdoor uh, beer garden uh, with white lights strung up. And then you can um, get cocktails outside. And then on the weekends, um, I went on Saturday. So on the weekends, the, the gardens are open 10 to 8. And so on Saturday nights and sometimes on Friday nights, they actually have a live band playing outside. So you can spend the afternoon walking through all the gardens. And then, you know, at night you can kind of break and get dinner and then sit outside and listen uh, to the band play. And it's just so beautiful, you know, and romantic. Even if it's just you, you know, it's romantic for yourself. Uh, and just so serene and relaxing. They have mazes there. There's a tree house. Um, like I said, there's all kinds of different ponds and streams. And uh, then they have this a huge, huge, huge greenhouse. Uh, I, I swear it's like the size of a city block. It's so beautiful. There's all these different uh, horticultural displays inside. So uh, this uh, season's theme is chrysanthemums. So they had all kinds of topiary displays and hanging displays. And then there was one wing that had all these different types of cactuses and ferns. And then another room that had different types of orchids, which just smelled beautiful and just so fantastic. And all the colors of the flowers everywhere you go are just so bright and vivid and beautiful. And it's great for the family. Also, the other thing I love about uh, Longwood Gardens and uh, the mansions, which we're going to talk about in the next break, is that it's handicapped accessible. So they have uh, scooters that you can rent. So if you have family members and loved ones who want to come, but they have mobility issues, you can rent scooters. They have a great gift shop. Uh, you know, like I said, bathrooms everywhere. And there might be some points where, you know, someone who has mobility issues, well, they can't take the scooter all the way, but they can at least take it up to certain points, you know, where they can enjoy and uh, be in the beautiful environment and then there's also lots of fountains um, throughout uh, the Longwood Gardens and the fountains are just beautiful they run throughout the day uh, every hour but at 8 15 they have a similar to how the Bellagio is in um, in Las Vegas they have um, this fountain show where in different timing and effects, the water lights up different colors and, and it goes off in different formations uh, with different music. And there's just this big area of grass where everybody gathers. They bring the blankets and their lawn chairs and just a, you know, it's a whole thing. Um, the evening show starts at 8.15. And it goes for about a half hour, 45 minutes. It's only $25. 
to uh, come into Longwood Gardens and the mansions, which we'll talk about in a, in a short bit. You know, the entry is very economical because you get really get a lot um, for your money. Uh, and they do do, if you want, they do have tram tours, guided tours, you know, uh, like I said, Longwood Gardens. I uh, can go to their website. There's a lot there besides just the uh, horticultural things. You know, they do a lot of lectures and courses and workshops on the property. Of course, Longwood Gardens. Uh, the first inhabitants uh, were uh, the Native American Lenape tribes. And so you do see exhibits um, paying tribute to that at different points of Longwood Gardens. So uh, definitely uh, worth uh, making a trip to see. So like I said, Longwood Gardens, for those of you who are out of the Pennsylvania area, is in Kennett Square. Um, they're nationally known for their um, Christmas displays. So once it gets closer to Christmas time, they actually have huge live uh, pine trees, like Christmas trees, and um, all, all kinds of poinsettias and beautiful Christmas flowers and the other thing that's really nice is since they keep the gardens open till around eight o'clock there's lots of street lights and on the paths they have illuminated lights along the path so you can see and it's one vibe you know in your daytime hour it's an, another beautiful vibe in the twilight hour between five and six and it's a totally another vibe when it's dark and it's lit up by all the beautiful garden lights uh so definitely worth checking out so uh the dupont uh, family opened the garden to the public in the 20s and created longwood gardens in, in 1937 and uh, then left uh, the gardens uh, to their foundation and board of trustees in 1954 and uh, and now the longwood gardens historical society uh, runs the property uh, and you know has done lots and lots of great things providing scholarships uh, to the community and uh, now the, the property consists of outdoor gardens ranging from formal to more you know natural um, fields and it's <laughs> just so beautiful uh, the conservatory has 4,500 different types of plants and trees uh, the gardens also have an extensive educational program including a tuition-free two-year school of professional horticultural study and graduate program and extensive internships. So uh, Longwood Gardens hosts hundreds of horticultural and performing arts events each year, from the flower shows to gardening demonstrations, uh, children's programs and concerts. So you know, Longwood Gardens is something that's great for the whole family. Um, and just a, a great way uh, for 
organic and natural learning and, and bringing these things to life outside of the, you know, the, the schoolroom. <clears throat> so it began as a public garden in the 19, uh, in the 1800s. Uh, and <clears throat> Yeah, it's really kind of cool and exciting when you walk in a place that's been around for such a long time. So there's also an open air theater uh, as well. So, you know, definitely if you are in the area, I, I would highly recommend spending a beautiful and relaxing day at Longwood Gardens. But make sure that you wear comfortable walking shoes because you will be walking a lot. They do allow you to bring food, uh, so I also suggest bring a nice, comfortable tote bag that you can put a sandwich and some uh, some beverages in there, because uh, you know that gift shop food <laughs> will will run you a, a good coin, especially if you're going with a family. You know, you could spend two hundred dollars on your your lunch alone just getting a sandwich and some drinks and snacks. So. You know, I always bring food with me wherever I can. Uh, so, you know, there's several uh, birdhouses and there's a cathedral there uh, and uh, great stuff for the kids and waterfalls and just it's such an enjoyable uh, afternoon or just full day, really. Uh, <laughs> for the whole family and it just smells beautiful and it's just a really great time so I would highly recommend you swinging through Longwood Gardens so we're going to take another musical break and then when we come back we're going to talk about Winterture Mansion and uh, the Nemour Mansion uh, which are both DuPont mansions. We'll talk a little bit about the history of the DuPont family and, uh, you know, dive into the mansions and all that good stuff. So keep it locked into Style and Empowerment Chat with Lauren Friends, and we'll be right back after this. I can feel the magic floating in the air Being with you gets me that way I watch the sunlight dance across your face And I've never been this swept away all my thoughts just seem to settle on the breeze When I'm lying wrapped up in your arms The whole world just fades away The only thing I hear Is the beating of your heart And I can feel you breathe I can 
as all the walls come tumbling down Closer than I've ever felt before And I know, and you know There's no need for words right now
It's very clear Our love is here to stay Not for a year But ever and a day The radio and the telephone And the movies that we know May just be passing fancies And in time may go But oh my dear Our love is here to stay Together we're Going a long, long way In time the Rockies may crumble Gibraltar may tumble They're only made of clay But our love is here to stay And the movies that we know May just be passing fancies And in time may go But oh my dear Love is here to stay Together we're Going along Rockies may crumble and Gibraltar it may tumble They're only made of clay But our love, our love is here to stay And welcome back to Style and Empowerment Chat with Laura and Friends. So uh, we're talking now all things mansions and and good stuff. You know, who doesn't doesn't like a good mansion tour, right? So we were uh, talking about Longwood Gardens uh, before at the break. So uh, in Wilmington and Kennett Square, which borders um, Wilmington, um, as the DuPont family settled in Delaware, as many businesses and estates, not all of them are still owned by the DuPonts, um, but the DuPonts founded their fortune in gunpowder um, around the time of the Revolutionary War, uh, and then also in textiles, and later they would diversify in chemicals and science. Um, They've supported many hospitals uh, here in the Delaware Valley area, um, which for those of you out of there is Delaware, uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. It's called the DelVal. Um, and, you know, they've supported many schools uh, and programs as well. And uh, the DuPont family, uh, back in the 1800s, 
took a, a strong stance against slavery and they were part of the abolition movement uh, and uh, many of their properties were stops on on the underground railroad which of course for those of you who aren't getting that education in school anymore here um the underground railroad uh, which was uh, started by harriet tubman uh, was a, a series of houses and businesses that uh, provided a, a safe place for runaway slaves to seek refuge as they were escaping on foot uh, from the south to the north um, to seek freedom. Uh, so the DuPonts were you know, very much against slavery uh, and provided their homes as resources uh, for runaway slaves uh, back in the day. So now there are two uh, DuPont mansions that you can visit in Delaware, which are absolutely beautiful, uh, beautiful. So first is Winterthur, which isn't uh, too far from Longwood Gardens. And it's nice. Um, Longwood Gardens, Winterthur, and the uh, Nemours Mansion, they're all within about 15 minutes of each other. Uh, so you can really, you know, make a lot of bang for your buck uh, and cover a lot of territory. I suggest doing a day for each site because there's a lot to see. So now, Winterture is a compound. It's a museum, garden, and library, which is just fantastic because you get to see so much. So the museum and estate uh, were the home of Henry Francis DuPont from 1880 to 1969. Uh, Henry is the founder of Winterture and was a prominent antiques collector and horticulturalist. So uh, the property where Winterture sits was purchased uh, um, in 1810 and was used for farming and sheep raising in the 1800s. So it has 445 acres of land. Um, and the museum uh, holds the largest uh, collection of uh, American fine arts. So they have rotating exhibits. When I went there last, they had a whole exhibit dedicated to Jackie Onassis, and they had uh, like notes and clothes she wore and TV cameras from when she did on the special uh, talking about the remodeling of the White House in the 60s. Uh, so the museum is just fantastic. And then you can tour the State House as well. Um, which has a large collection of French art and uh, a lot of a lot of great stuff. It's, it's just it's so beautiful, um, and and the museum is uh, the largest and richest museum of American furniture and decorative arts. It was formerly known as Henry Francis Dupont's um, Winter. Museum and country estate. Um, the main building is where the public museum is. 
and then um, there's access uh, to the home uh, right there. Um, you know, the the Winterture home is a bit smaller than the Neamore mansion, um, but the the gardens are just so beautiful, um, and the museum it just has so much great art in it. And it's just fantastic that it's all on the same complex. Uh, so they also offer tram tours around the complex as well. Uh, so you can cover more ground. And, you know, the tram rides will give you a lot of information um, about the gardens, about the house. Like well, What I always do on these kinds of tours, and I did this with the Neomora Estate as well when I first got there, you know, I got a, a ride on one of the tours. So then that gives you, it takes you around a quick loop around the whole property, gives you a lot of historical facts, and you can kind of visually assess what you what you want to see, get the layout of the land, take some good videos and pictures, and then when you get off the tour, then you can walk, you know, on foot through all the pretty gardens and paths. Uh, now, the Neomore Estate, which is in Wilmington, Delaware, as well, is the largest uh, French garden in the United States. So the gardens are modeled after the Versailles Palace Gardens. So uh, in typical French style, the height of, of the bushes and all the foliage is lower than the eye line of the mansion. So everything is centered around the level of the house and parallel to the road. So you have a beautiful uh, French neoclassical uh, uh, mansion. Uh, all the ceilings inside are gilded with gold and just beautiful mirrors and parquet tiles and all the personal effects are still there so that's a really cool thing like all the furniture and everything that's there it's the original furniture um, bathrooms you know personal effects they have some of their clothing there so you really feel like you're just you know stepping back into history and uh, the furnishings are just beautiful. There's lots of statues throughout. Um, there's a beautiful conservatory. Um, solarium it just has such beautiful natural lighting and ferns and beautiful tiles. And then um, there's many ponds and there's a huge statue um, on the one end of the property, which is a bronze statue of Dianthra, the Greek goddess of the hunt. And then there's a 18, uh, no, 24 karat gold statue, which is um, a tribute to love and the Pat Jesse, who is um, the wife of, the, of Francis DuPont, um, who built the home, who had said that there's nothing a man can, can accomplish without the love of a good and strong woman behind him uh, so that's what that gold statue symbolizes <laughs> the power of love which is just beautiful 
Um, and they have um, beautiful grandfather clocks. There's a spiral staircase that has a beautiful stained glass window at the top of it. It's just breathtaking. Uh, they have a gift shop there. They don't s sell food, but you can bring in, you know, beverages and, and food with you. And there's just so many beautiful sitting areas, you know, where you could just, and fountains and so relaxing and just a great place to get in touch with nature and your thoughts and yourself and relax. And, you know, the breeze is blowing and leaves are flowing all around. It's it just a really <coughs> beautiful, beautiful place to go. They have a maze garden uh, and a pretty footbridges uh, throughout the garden property uh so it's a great great thing to do with the family or couples so uh, the maze garden has hedges uh of western adoptive uh spring grove uh inner hedges inspired by a uh, japanese uh horticulture uh and then there's some beautiful reflecting pools they have this huge pool that had um sculpted uh, statues at each corner, four statues that represented uh, the four seasons. <laughs> and the Temple of Love uh, is, you know, just so beautiful and inspiring to see. Uh, so definitely put that on your itinerary of, uh, of things uh, to see. Uh, so we're going to take another musical break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, branding photographer uh, Sandy Grigsby, who's going to teach us all about uh, empowerment through through photography and our personal image and branding, and you know finding our inner confidence and all those good things. So keep it locked into Style and Empowerment Chat with Lauren Friends, and we'll be right back after this break. <laughs> Your tender love 
to this week's edition of Style and Empowerment Chat with Laura and Friends. So I am so excited to welcome this week's guest, uh, Sandy Gringsby, who is the founder of Brio 5, and she is all about empowerment and self-branding through photography. Hi, Laura. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Welcome to the show, Sandy. So now Sandy is is calling us all the way from Dubai. So so tell us uh, what what uh, brought you to Dubai besides that it's beautiful and fabulous. You know, uh, actually, I came here in 2020. Uh, there was a conference, one of the only conferences going on in the world at that time, and I went there to MC and to give a talk. And my fiance was also coordinating speakers for the event. So we ended up in Dubai for two weeks and got trapped there because COVID locked everything else down. We ended up staying for two months. Wow. in love with it. Uh, we went to Thailand. Uh, we went to Bali. Went all over the world. Gosh, I've been to so many countries. It's kind of fog now. I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> Turkey, Italy, Morocco, France, Switzerland. I mean, the list of Portugal. The list goes on and on. Spain, everywhere. And we just ended up back in Dubai. So now we're here most of the time. Love it. Well, that's exciting. Uh, so now, uh, Sandy, you are passionate about helping people th- uh, find their confidence through brand imaging. So you, can you talk to our listeners a bit about your background in photography and your journey towards, you know, kind of focusing in on the, the empowerment self-portraits? And I was building websites for celebrities who had their photos taken by some of the top photographers in Los Angeles. When, when I was doing that, I would get these beautiful pictures, working with celebrities, really famous people back in the day, a lot of famous Olympian athletes and different people, just all over. And I was making these sites that were so good. And then when I started doing my own thing and I started working in my own company, which is Brio 5, I was working with small businesses and entrepreneurs, and I was trying to emulate what I was doing with photographers. And I was building out these gorgeous websites for their businesses. I realized the key thing was marketing them as the face of the business because people buy from people. Right. And unfortunately, I was getting a lot of images from them that were taken with a bad phone or taken by a poor photographer or just were outdated, old, or just weren't flattering and didn't really represent the person. I ended up convincing them to let me take their pictures because I had experience as a commercial print model. I had some photography background in my degree at school. So I said, let me just take your picture, and if it's not good, I can make it look good because I know Photoshop. Right. <laughs> so I ended up doing that. Very quickly, I evolved my business from really doing web design, doing full-time portrait photography because 
wasn't just that I became a really good photographer just from you know, having skill and training and studying under other amazing photographers, but that since I used to model, understood how to make a person pose in a way that's most flattering, mm-hmm. and I also recognized that the people weren't looking confident in certain poses and positions. So I started studying facial expressions, micro expressions, big posture and position. I was able to, what I knew, plus all of my years of training, to make my clients really come out as confident, authentic, natural, warm, and inviting. It completely changed their brand. That's evolved, and that's why now I focus on image. Image is important. How you look, because how you present yourself, tell the story to the viewers, and if they are getting the right message, you're going to have the right clients. It's like when you, you are going in for a job interview. Your experience and credentials matter, but equally it matters how you put yourself together, how you speak, how you carry yourself, your manners, and the visual presentation that you make in addition to your experience. Exactly. Everything. Because if you don't look the part, people aren't going to be able to visualize you in it. Sometimes you see a person looks cocky or arrogant in a photo, which isn't always approachable. Exactly. And, and who wants to hire someone who looks cocky and arrogant unless you're hiring an attorney? If you want to be cocky and arrogant to the opposite party, right? Right. But if you're hiring a doctor or you're hiring a coach or someone who's going to shampoo your dog, whatever it is, you want them to be warm and approachable and if you want to know that they understand you and your needs and that they're going to help you through it. If their image doesn't represent that, subconsciously you make a decision based off of that and it makes it harder for them to get you to hire them. Right. And then in this kind of rush, rush culture we're in right now, people don't always go and do the extra research on the person. They don't always read the full email. We're in this kind of like skim through culture. So, you know, a lot of times they do look at your photos first and then say, oh, feel how am I responding to them? And then they'll read the email. Exactly. You got it. And that's a problem nowadays, especially, like you said, the skim skim culture where people are going quick. They're looking for whoever gives them the best impression, the fastest. That's what they're going to go with. So it, things do matter. Your colors matter. And they don't matter the way that most people think. People are used to hearing the marketing that, like, oh, you know, your branding colors. Oh, it has to be the logical. You know, if you use blue, it means this. And white means this. And pink means that. And and I find that there's an issue with that. Yes, those things are true in a way, but it's been so overdone and oversaturated and overused. It's not as effective as it used to be. Right. So I tell my clients, show up in the way that's authentic to you. Each of us has our own unique style and set of colors. If you show up in that way, then when people see you online, they experience those colors, and they actually get to engage with you in person, whether it be in person on video or in person, actual physical person, get to see and interact with you if you match 
the coordination just from the colors because colors do so much right right if you match based off of your colors they feel a deeper connection like they know you and like what they expected is on point mm-hmm. it's like when you see somebody and all their colors are blue and purple and black and you meet them and they're wearing pink right it's like oh you're you're not what i expected you're very barbie doll right you're very you're so and your, your branding is so mystic, right? It's right, so right, 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 right. So you want to make sure that they match. Right. And, you know, definitely uh, there's a lot in color psychology and the colors we respond to. But like you said, at the same point, you don't want to get so tied into that where you put yourself in a box and a formula. You also want to incorporate organically yourself. It's like yeah. finding a balance because then you don't want to go too far off from your what your brand is, but then you don't want to be put in a box either. So and I've come up with ways that people don't get put in a box. One of the things that puts people in a box when it comes to their brand colors, they limit themselves on the colors. So say, oh, I have four brand colors, I have five brand colors. That puts you in a box and it's incredibly boring. The process that I take people through, like my clients, when they're done, they have anywhere from 12 to 15 unique colors that are Ooh. meant for them. So now they have variety. They have the core colors, which would be the main colors that are featured on things. Then they have little accent colors that they can splash into their wardrobe. They could do it in terms of graphics, elements that they're putting together, backdrops and images, videos. And it really gives them more breadth when they have you know, something to create and they feel better about it. Mm-hmm. So it, it. There's an easy way to get out of that box. You just have to expand what you're actually doing. And I just say be consistent. Like for me, I love a very specific set of colors. If you go to my website, which is andyinfocus.com, you'll see my colors are great, like a dusty rose. looks like a pale, mm. dusty pink. A um, kind of same thing, like a dusty blue, a gray, mm. a taupe, white, cream, all those colors. And then every now and then you'll see a pop of fuchsia. Okay, so fuchsia right. is one of my secondary colors. It shows up every now and then. If you go through my social media and stuff, you'll see a little splash of fuchsia here and there. It's buttons. It's some cool graphics. I'm not going to walk around wearing a fuchsia dress. I will wear the light colors like the powder blue and the dusty blue and the dusty rose and things like that. So when you see me in public, it's instantly recognizable. But you're not shocked when you see that little splash of hot pink, which right. might show up as an accessory for me or a decorative font or something like that. And so there you- are ways to incorporate things. And you know, you will maybe not not see it at first, but the longer that you have your brand and your business and what you're doing and your visual accompaniment to that, um, people do recognize you off of those colors and image, like, yes. right? Like my logo, you know, it, it's a girl with a microphone and she's in a black a strapless dress with a blonde little bob. So it's kind of like me. And it's absolutely like you. you know, right? <laughs> I look, you have all the black dresses, the little black face on, you've got the little blonde bob. It's perfect. Right? <laughs> and there have been times where I've I've gone, you know, to events and people come up and recognize me. And, you know, I, I said to a friend of mine once, uh, we were at Fashion Week together, and, uh, you know, that I was a, a media sponsor. 
And so the only place that I was announced was like on the step and repeat. It had my logo and all. But it wasn't like, you know, every event does it different. Sometimes they'll actually like announce the speakers and have you stand up. Or other times it's just a, your logo's there. Everyone does it a little different. But I remember there's a couple of women that kept coming up, like business owners, saying, oh, hi, you know, I wanted to give you some products to try. And I, you know, wanted to... Um, you to sample this. I heard you're one of the sponsors and this and that. And I said, I turned to my friend and I said, how do they all know that I'm a sponsor? Like they didn't, <laughs> they, they didn't know. I mean, I'm excited to get all the swag, but I'm like, how did they all know I'm the sponsor? Because they didn't say, oh, Laura Masaryk over there is one of our sponsors. Oh, Sam Johnson over here of such and such as a sponsor. They didn't make an announcement. She said, Laura, look at what you're wearing tonight. It's just like, um, <laughs> you, you, your hair is in a cute curly bob and you have a black strapless a cocktail dress on and heels all you need is your is your microphone she said yeah, yeah. she said because you're 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 you literally look exactly like your logo tonight and your logo's all <laughs> over the step and repeat so they you're the only one who looks like that logo so they all all are figure oh you're the sponsor ladies that's exactly right and that's branding at its best because people recognize you and they know what to expect and when you can do that you are then persuasive you're compelling you're influential you're all of those things in the right way because people people feel more comfortable when you meet their expectations they expect you to be it, it, this actually goes in a really funny direction it goes both ways if they expect you to be really not nice you are so they actually will like you more and and you make a more memorable impression anything in life if you're not happy and you're not satisfied you have to do the work to change that reality a reality where you are happy you are proud of yourself you do feel good exactly like other people can help you along that journey but ultimately you're responsible creating happiness in your own life yes that is exactly right so now you were talking um, a, a little earlier, it's something that's so important, like let's uh, dive in and now talk about the components of a great, uh, a great uh, photograph, a background. Yeah. 
so important. The lighting, body positioning, knowing your angles. So let's uh, talk about those components first. What are the keys to finding the right background, um, right lighting, you know, to make the most flattering photo? Well, you know, it begins with the purpose of the photo. Mm-hmm. Because you could be like in Dubai with Burj Khalifa right behind you, and you could be posing, and it could be the most flattering photo ever. But what's the purpose of that photo? If you are using a photo to market yourself as like a headshot, for example, something that's going to be that image that is on your social media profile, that thumbnail image that people see, their first impression, I always recommend make it so the focus is on you. The British Khalifa would be great for a marketing tool if you're talking about traveling overseas, right? Or right. visiting different exotic locations. If you're marketing just you, it should be something that brings the attention to you. So not face. too distracting. And exactly. Something simple. And I always say elegant is the best way. But people can add punchy colors in the background. Mm-hmm. You can do abstract shapes. I've seen cutouts. I've seen all kinds of cool stuff. No matter what you do, you want to make sure that it's not so distracting that I focus on the background over your face. Mm-hmm. Second, you want to make sure that you have incredible lighting. And believe it or not, there are different lighting categories for different ages. That's so, for example, if you're under 30 and you have no lines or wrinkles on your face, you can pretty much do any lighting because it's not going to make you look weird. <laughs> but generally, once you hit that fine age of around 30 to 35, it, it varies by person. Everybody's skin type and texture is different. But I always say rule of thumb is under 30, over 30. And if you're over 30, you want to make sure that the lighting is much more flattering. You're going to want very direct, flat light. Again, it depends on your skin. So you got to pay attention. Like, do you have marionette lines? Do you have wrinkles? Do you have nasal labial folds? Do you have bags under your eyes? Like, look at your face and see what's going on. And if you have any of those things, you do not want to be in any light like 20-year-olds could be. Right. You want to be in very flat light. And the flat light is like, for example, when you are standing in your doorway and you're facing outdoors, the light, not the sunlight, but just the light coming in your door, that flat light hitting your face direct on is the most flattering light because it is in-hand light, so it's not direct sun hitting you, and it's soft. Mm. So it gives you that nice, even, beautiful wash of light that washes out any shadows that could be made by marionette lines, wrinkles, nasal labial folds, all of that stuff. And then so the other light, thing if you're over 30 is the best. Is bright light, like if you're in sunlight, bright sunlight, I've experienced this so many times. The sunlight makes your eyes squint. And, yeah, then the, and, and then that'll, and the, if you have any bags or a little bit of wrinkles around the corner of your eyes, and you're squinting because of the sunlight, besides that, it's it just, makes it, worse. it makes it worse. And then it's not flattering for your skin tone either. And, and it creates shadows, which are not nice. Right. People with eyelash shadows, where they get the eyelash shadows on the bottom lid. Oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> 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 and then the intense sunlight, if you're fair, can also wash out your complexion. Absolutely. So uh, I, that's why I say do not be in direct sunlight. You know, you'll see models, again, they're under 30, right? that'll be in direct sunlight. They'll have that hard line. You can actually see the, the hard chin line, the hard eyelash line. They're usually looking up in some obscure place, and or their eyes are closed. And that looks really cute, and that could be beautiful. But if they had anything on their face, like a line or a wrinkle or a nasal fold or marionette lines, 
pimple, whatever. Anything. So you want to make sure that if you're over a certain age, get a beautiful flat wash of light. A lot of photographers don't love it because it does flatten the face, mm. but it'll make you look the youngest. It'll make your skin the creamiest and the dreamiest, and it'll focus on your eyes, mouth, and your hair as opposed to making the shot very artsy. Photographers like the shot to be artsy and creative and interesting, and they like shadows and that, but that doesn't necessarily make you look your best. Right. That's what people don't understand. So I've had photographers Because you're, pay, you're paying the photographer and, to make you look your best. Exactly. And I've had photographers look at my work and go, oh, well, it's very flat lighting. It's very washed out. And I'm thinking, ah, that's 100% intentional. And if you notice, every single one of my clients is a diehard raving fan because they look phenomenal. Everybody mm-hmm. looks like they're 25 with no retouching. Right. <laughs> because you, you bring up, Sandy, a very valid point. The, the uh, angles and tactics that you use for a more artsy photo is one set of artistic choices. And the yeah. choices that you make for business photos, you know, resume, uh, professional uh, uh, reasons is totally different. The, t- the, time, exactly. the time to get all artsy and let me show my, my flex and creativity as a photographer isn't for a business shoot. No. I want to make sure that the person looks fresh, healthy, radiant, warm, approachable. So when people see their image, they go, yeah, I would love to meet this person. As opposed to like, I mean, it's fine if you're an artist. If you're right. a, you know, an edgy artist and you've got like, you know, cool makeup and you want that dramatic, impactful look. That's fine. But again, you'll see that most artists that do that are under 30. <laughs> right, 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 right. And, you know, I, I mean, and background is also so important, especially like myself. You know, I'm fair, so that comes with a whole other crop of problems. <laughs> you know, well, then again, just don't be in hard sunlight. Right, well, exactly. <laughs> it, it is that, you know, you have, and everybody has different undertones in their skin. Some are more yellow or blue or uh, peachy. So uh, the background color is also important that it complements the skin tone. Yes, that's true. And, you know, I, for example, I have a client who has vitiligo. So mm-hmm. she is so pale because she went through the process. You know how vitiligo starts? You know, Michael, J, Mike, Michael Jackson had it. A bunch mm-hmm. of famous people now have it. It starts on the fingers. And it goes around the mouth. And sometimes it goes to the eyes and things. She had it severely. And her whole entire body, the pigment was completely gone. I think mm. she had a little bit left on her arms of pigment. A little bit left on her legs. You look at her face, she just looks pale, like pasty white. And she was so self conscious about it because, you know, she didn't, she, she's a blonde haired, blue eyed woman who got vitiligo and she did not expect it. And the interesting thing was, I told her, because she was spray painting her body with, you know, the, um, the tanner, the self, the, the tanner where they come and spray paint you. And she was like, I need to do it again. I said, Don't do it because it makes your skin splotchy. So I said, Just own that you have this very pale, creamy skin and just with it own it and so i convinced her to do her photos without changing her skin and the pictures are gorgeous she just picked the right background color to complement it so she pops a little bit we gave her the right dress color we made sure that the makeup was done properly to give her a contrast so we could really see her eyes and her hair and even though she's incredibly white she looks radiant you so people obsess about the color of their skin it's not that the other thing is her personality was coming through. She was smiling with pure joy. You could see the 
her eyes, her beautiful smile. She was leaning in. She was warm. She had this look of confidence. Her chin was up. And all of the energy that made this picture so radiant wasn't her skin color. was her. Mm. And that's what people need to focus on. They need to stop worrying about, oh, should my hair be this way or should my skin be this way or should my clothes be this way? You could literally wear a paper bag. If you are emanating warmth and connection and joy and just confidence, that paper bag will look incredible. It reads through. And, and, you know, I think uh, the photographer plays such an important part uh, during a shoot of drawing that out, you know, drawing that light through, through the eyes, the expression, the feeling, the vibes. Uh, because, uh, you know, the photographers are what makes the subject comfortable and gets to, to that place then where they can relax and have fun and that'll translate through into the photo. And, you know, I know a lot of photographers, especially fashion photographers, you know, will use music or, you know, different stuff on set to get people in the right mood. So what are some of the tricks that you use uh, to get your subjects in the right mood to get those great shots? After. I make them laugh. I used to focus heavily on music. I used to focus on all the other things, other tips and tricks. I realized the person wasn't comfortable with me, wasn't genuinely having a good time. All of their doubts, worries, conscious things that are attached to their bodies and their minds are going to seep through. When we are having fun and we're laughing, we tend to be more authentically ourselves. Whenever I do a photo session, first of all, I don't take people cold off the street. No one can work with me by just calling me up and going, hey, can I work with you? No. I put them through a process. I know my clients. I've known them for weeks and weeks. You know, I do weekly calls with them. I know them inside and out. So when it actually comes to doing the photos, they're like, oh, my, my best friend Sandy's here. Oh, hey, let's go. And they're so comfortable with me. We've discussed everything. I know everything down to the blackheads on the tip of their nose that I had them removed because I made them go and see hydrofacialists, right? I know everything. Right. And so they know that I'm not going to make a bad photograph of them because I know what their good side is. I know their temperament and their personality. I know when they're lying. I know when they're upset. I know them so well that when I get them in front of my camera, they already feel comfortable and their true personalities come out and we laugh and we have a great time and we joke around and we take our time. My photo sessions are a full day. Mm. And I tell people, I don't care what you've got going on. If you want to work with me, you reserve the full day because I'm not going to be constrained to two or three hours. You might not be comfortable. Even though you're comfortable with me, you might have stress from the night before or whatever else. We're going to get it out. We're going to relax. We're going to have a fun day. And I guarantee you're going to have incredible photos. And all of my clients who commit to that. We're going to go to so Dubai. And we're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get all our stress out. It's true. It's true. You know, I mean, I shoot in different parts of the world. This, this week I'm in Dubai. Uh, and I was, I just did a photo shoot in Ibiza with one of my clients. Actually, he's awesome. His name's Dave Asprey. He's the author of the biohacking movement or the bulletproof coffee, so we did his pictures, and um, I'll be flying to Delhi next month, Delhi, India, to photograph another one of my clients, and I have one in Puerto Rico that I'm supposed to go photograph, uh, I have another one in California, so I fly all over the world to wow. photograph my clients. <laughs> right? 
so now, yeah, and I, I gotta say, just from a personal experience, like it's so annoying because you know I do a lot of different things, as you know, and sometimes you're at, at events and you need to ask other people to take a photo of you so you have your content for social media, or you'll you know have photographers that you know, oh, hey, can you quick take a couple shots of that? Then you look at it later, and you're like, "Were you looking through the lens?" <laughs> and it's, no, there are tips and tricks you can do. I, you never have to worry about that. No, especially when the oh yeah yeah I got the shot. It looks great. And then you either go to your phone or you go to the link they sent you and your face is making all these weird expressions. <laughs> your body looks good, but your one eye is squinted or, you know, your eyes are looking one way and you look cross-eyed or your mouth yep. is a weird expression. And you're like, okay, you were actually looking through the lens. Like, and you're telling yeah. me this looks good? I, I'm like, these, these are trash. No clue. A lot of photographers, believe it or not, have no clue when it comes to the tiny details like that. Mm -hmm. They started photographing their cat or a plant in the backyard. Then they got a good photo of their friend one day. And then they go, I'm a professional photographer. And they didn't actually study it. They don't right. know about the anatomy. They don't understand the micro expressions or anything like that. And so when you deal with most photographers, and I'm sorry to generalize, but yes, it's most I I very rarely come across photographers that I think are great. And it's funny because I've had clients that I work with who aren't able to shoot with me just because of location, timing, things like that, that have to outsource it to other photographers. And it takes them a long time to find someone that they really like. Right. And even when they do, I find so many flaws in the work. It's like, oh, God, you know, right. blurry pictures or their, you know, crotch shot to the camera or their yeah, yeah. faces or their close all... body parts. Because most photographers have, are clueless when it comes to this stuff. Right. So here's what you need to do. You need to take charge knowing that the person that you hired or asking to take your picture probably doesn't know as much as they think they know. And you need to take charge by putting yourself in a position that you know will make you look good. That means turning your hips, turning your shoulders so it's not straight onto camera. Because generally, if you are squared up to the camera, it's going to make you look boxy and mm -hmm. blocky. So, so I don't care. I, I, I tell people, even if you're you have thin, to soften the line. You need to turn and you need to give yourself curves, which is why you have the hand on the hip because it gets angled. Also need to make sure that your face is as parallel to the camera as possible. What people do is they tend to tip their chins down and make their forehead bigger and makes their mouth and their chin smaller. So you yeah. need to make sure that your chin, so the flattest part of your face is as parallel to the camera. So if the camera's slightly tipping down, you need to tip your face slightly up. If the camera is tilted slightly up, you need to tip your face slightly down. So you need to be parallel to the lens of the camera. That's really important. Yeah. Also, you need to bring your chin forward. Your chin has to come as forward as possible, not your neck. You don't want to stick your neck out look really weird. Bring your chin forward as far away from your body as possible because it creates a line and sharpens the jawline. So remove that double chin, which is what happens when we pull our faces back. When we laugh, we tend to pull our chin back. We want to remove that. So by bringing your chin as far forward as possible, you create a natural shadow. You create a nice, defined line. As we age, it tightens the skin, so you lose some of that loose neck issue that happens as we age. It just is overall more flattering. Lastly, you want to laugh. The laugh, people tend to close their eyes when they laugh. So what I say is don't do a real laugh, because when we really laugh, we squinch, right? Right. You make this sound with your mouth, and the guys hate me for it, but I make them do it, and it works. You go, uh-huh, like that. When you go, uh-huh, and you make that high-pitched sound, 
forces your mouth up. It lifts your cheeks. It forces you to emulate the natural laugh would look like. And so that is how you can more accurately get an image that's going to represent you better and be positive and be flattering overall, even if you have a bad photographer. I have to practice that. Another thing that just really is one of my pet peeves, like one of the newer photography trends now, like over the last two years, when I've gone to events, is you see people shooting, wanting to shoot, like specifically with cell phones, more so than regular uh, cameras. They'll want to get down low and shoot you uh, like upward from being lower. Now, if you're short, if you're slim, that's okay. But if you're a tall woman and if you're curvy or plus size, shooting someone from squatting down low and looking up is the worst possible angle ever. And I've had to actually kind of get in contentious conversation because no stand up, no shoot me face on. No, no, raise the camera, raise the phone, raise the camera, have it full body, have it more, because I know how that shot will turn out. Like it makes you look, yep. it makes you look like a linebacker. And, and, I personally don't like when the camera's too low. I say eye level or yes. slightly below, slightly below because it shows confidence. Mm-hmm. A lot of photographers like to shoot above eye level, so they're actually shooting down. It can make you look slimmer. It can make you look more radiant. Don't get me wrong. It's it's uh, shooting from above level, which is what a lot of photographers do, is a very flattering mm-hmm. pose. But the caveat to that also is diminutive, which means makes you look submissive and meek. So yeah, and don't we don't want, to want look that. Submissive and meek. You want to make sure that the camera is at least eye level. Right. Because eye level says, I see you. I connect with you eye to eye. Slightly below eye level, when I say slightly, I'm talking about a fraction of an inch, you know? Slightly below eye level, that shows confidence because it puts you in a superior position. But never low, that's just bad, and never too high because then you just look small. Right. And it's also showing to the viewer that I'm confident that I can look at this camera head on and through the camera look at you head on. with Exactly. And be, and I'm comfortable and I'm confident in what I'm about. Yes, and if you're tall and curvy, I recommend is stand up even taller. I know that sounds crazy. Like, why would I stand up taller if I'm tall? As tall as you possibly can because it elongates the body, which also slims the body. And you stick your butt or your hips back. And you pull your booty back, causes your body to look again longer. Mm-hmm. It flattens the tummy gives you more curves because if you can distract people with curves going in different directions overall the image will slim you down and it's much more flattering than if you're just square to the camera where you look blocky 
Mm-hmm. So that's what I always recommend. Just stick your hips back, push your booty back, elongate your spine, elongate your neck, bring that chin forward to eliminate the double chin, give yourself angles, so that's why I like to tell people put your hands on the hips or something, uh, give yourself angles, and then rock into your hips because you want to create an S curve. Yes. The more curves you have, the better. And I do this with guys too. I tell the guys, take their man swagger, and I have them spread their feet hip width apart, and then I have them rock onto one hip because that also gives them more shape. It slims them out. It makes them look stronger, more solid, mm-hmm. even though it's a, what some consider a feminine position because they're rocking on their hips. But it looks so much better in pictures. So my guys all do it. And when they do it, they go, oh, yeah, I see. It looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> and also for women, you know, draping your arm around the curve of your hip. It's also also slenderizing, and it also makes you look and feel more relaxed in the photo. But sometimes yeah. when you're snaking and you put your shoulders back a little bit and your chest forward, that can create a nice slimming S silhouette as well. Yes, and relax the shoulders. That's a really big one people miss to keep their shoulders tense because they're uncomfortable, and then that actually screws them off. So just let you just think consciously, okay, relax my shoulders, let the shoulders just drop. And then just be confident in your picture. It's all about attitude. If you're given an attitude, you're having fun with it, you're going to look amazing no matter what size you are. Now, Sandy, you've also written a book, correct? Yes. I actually am working on one now. Um, but the one that I've written is called I Am Who I Am, and it's a children's book. It teaches children that it's okay to be who you are, all the different sides of yourself, because everybody's different and everyone's unique. So it's a very simple children's book. It's illustrated. I drew all of the illustrations and little kids' emojis. You can get it on uh, Apple Books. It's I Am Who I Am. And, um, yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorite little books. (laughs) And now uh, you've also uh, done a TED Talk. So can you, uh, for our listeners? I've actually done two. Two? I've actually done two. So now for our listeners who aren't familiar uh, with what TED Talks are, can you just uh, loop them in and also, uh, uh, you know, tell us how you got to do two TED Talks? Okay, so actually I've done two TEDx Talks. A TEDx. And TED Talks talks and TEDx Talks, the TED Talks are just done on the main TED stage. TEDx are done on secondary stages across the world. And um, they are ideas worth sharing. So my very first talk was called Photographs of the Invisible, and I talk about people who don't see their own beauty, see their own power, because they live in probably like low self-worth and low, you know, value themselves as much. Get them to really see themselves, and when they do, it's, it's clearly defined in the images. So that's my first talk. And then my second talk, it was more around understanding difference between how you are perceived in images. When people watch my second talk, I give very clear imagery about, okay, would you pick this person or this person? And I help people really understand how they're being perceived, how to transform into the person that you want people to perceive you as, which hopefully is who you actually are. And, and then uh, what was your process in actually, you know, getting a, a TEDx talk? Uh, well, I, <laughs> I think it's, first one I got was right time, right place, I guess. Um, I was on a podcast. I was marking myself very heavily. I'd been up in some newspapers. Nice. And one of the people who in- interviewed me on their podcast had just done one, and he actually recommended me give one. Nice. So I went to Washington, D.C., and I gave one. And then the second one that I did, which was years later, was um, someone also recommended me. I didn't actually submit myself for either okay. of them. 
which most people do, I was actually recommended for them. That's nice. Yeah, but the key is if you really want to do one, find someone who's done one and have them recommend you. It's the fastest way. But you can always submit yourself. What I, re- what I suggest is if you're submitting yourself to give a TEDx or even a TED, do a, an in-depth search on what is actually talked about and discussed because they don't want the same stuff. They want new ideas. Certain categories will have things streaming, like what's really popular right now, certain topics of discussion. You could fall into a bucket of a topic of discussion as long as your conversation is different than what's actually out there. So if you have something, a new idea to offer or a new spin or a new take on something that's existing, they would be more likely to accept you as opposed to if there's already been many talks in that format. You have to find your, uh, find your own niche and way to stand out. Exactly. Nice, nice. Uh, so uh, now, uh, what, where can our listeners find you? And, you know, if they want to collaborate and, and uh, you know, uh, with you, where can they go to find you? Best place is you can go to my website, which is com. All of my social media handles are there, my Instagram, my TikTok, my everything. It's all there. But my main handle is Sandy and Focus. And, and if you go to my website, everything is accessible there. Fantastic. Well, Sandy, it has been such a pleasure. We learned so much today. And I think the takeaway a message is in everything you're doing in life, just to be yourself, stand in your power, but be conscious of the image that you're putting out and if that's aligned with a person that you are. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Laura. Oh, you're welcome. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Bye-bye. I'm in chat with Laura and friends. Of course, you can follow me on Facebook on the Style and Empowerment Chat with Laura and Friends page on TikTok and Instagram at the Laura Masaryk. And uh, I'm excited to announce that I did make it through. Uh, thanks to everybody's voting and support, I made it through uh, the first cut of the Fat 40 and a Fabulous uh, contest. So the next cut, or Fab Over 40, so the next cut is tomorrow night uh, at 9 p.m. So if you want to vote for me and support you, I can find uh, my profile on the Fab and Over 40 website. So I thank everyone for their support. Excited to kick off uh, this new year of life. I hope everyone has a fantastic and purposeful day. Uh, We're going to jump into another block of music. And next week, we are excited, so excited to welcome celebrity stylist, entrepreneur, uh, and author Ty Hunter, who, of course, rose to fame as Beyonce's personal stylist for over 15 years. So I'm so excited to have him on the show next week. Uh, So keep it locked in to more Style and Empowerment Chat with Laura and Friends. And we'll be back next week.
always coming in. Holding your body like a plastic molding. Your soul I'll be controlling as the candles burn. We toss and we turn. Like today, all our pleasures be learned.